0: Why is buying individual stocks important or is it? It's not important. And I, I say that because it's, it's not required at all. You don't have to do it. But I think people do it and want to do it and have this this itch to at least look at it is because it feels more tangible. When you're investing in a mutual fund, it just kind of feels like this this thing. You can't hold it. You can't see it. You can't touch it. But with the stock, I can at least say, hey, look, I have an I own Apple and I have an iPhone in my hand. I'm watching Netflix, and I feel like a true participant because the longer I'm on this phone, the more content I watch. Netflix is getting paid, therefore I'm getting paid.
1: This is Stacey Johnson. Today's podcast is a replay of a popular show we did a few months back. So if you didn't hear it the first time or you want to hear it again, now's your chance. Thanks for listening to Money Talks News, the podcast. In this episode, we're talking about how to pick winning stocks. If you're an avid investor, or if you're not, At one time or another, you've probably considered investing in individual stocks. I've been doing this for 40 years, and over that time, I've made well over a million dollars investing in the stocks of individual companies. But stock picking isn't for everyone, and it does come with risk. Even the best stock pickers periodically lose money. The trick is to learn a few rules that will increase your odds of success. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about today. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda.
2: Hey, Stacy. This is kind of a fun one for me because, as we know, like I don't do a lot of individual stocks, but the ones I have done have done really well. So.
1: Oh, I, I actually thought you did none. We're, well, I'm going to be interested to see which ones you bought. This week, we've got a guest friend of the show, Kevin Matthews, former investment advisor and author of Starting Point, How to Create Wealth That Lasts. Hello, Kevin hey thank you for having me thanks for being here i'm really excited about this because i love stocks um, and I, I rarely get to talk about them on the podcast because i have so many wimps like miranda who's a mutual fund buyer but anyway <laughs> um and now i always life's give a disclaim- hard
2: life's so hard <laughs> Stacey. I know it's, it's a, it's a I, tough life you've got going on here
1: <laughs> i i always give a disclaimer before we begin these podcast folks but today i really want you to listen to this i want you to pay attention we may be talking about individual companies today, in fact I'm sure we will be, but that does not make them recommendations. This is not investment advice. Never ever invest in anything without doing your own research and or consulting your own experts. And now, hopefully that'll keep me from being sued, let's dive in. Kevin, are you a, are you a buyer of individual stocks? Yes, I am. Have you done well in it? How long have you been doing it? You're 33 years old. How long have you been doing it?
0: Yeah, I've been doing it Close to 11 or 12 years now.
1: Wow. You started early.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, as soon as I can get my hands on a stock, <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> so I actually started my very first stock uh, was like from a finance professor. Um, this was 2009 or 2010, I think. So actually a little longer. Uh, I was right the the Great Recession. And he was like, hey, go buy the banks. So I, I bought $300 of Citi stock. It did not go well, but I learned my <laughs> lesson. Yeah, that kind of I guess started my origin story, if you will.
1: Well, I, I bought a whole bunch of bank stocks in March of two thousand nine. Uh, I bought uh, J.P. Morgan that I remember off the top of my head at twenty five bucks, and it's now one hundred fifty. Uh, so I, I did well buying banks at the during the Great Recession. And, okay, now Miranda, we know you you mentioned in the in the intro that you do buy stocks, and you've done really well. Tell me about what you bought.
2: Yeah, so. Occasionally, I'll buy something because it looks interesting, or you know, the the, the one that I like to use as a good example is um, back in the day. So, like back in 2020, like back in March, April of 2020, uh, one of my clients uh, asked me to do a stock analysis for a an investment newsletter they were putting out, and they wanted me to analyze uh, the market for uh, they wanted me to analyze the market for hard seltzer. Um, and this is like just when things were starting to close down and they wanted to know, um, you know, what what what's what's a recommendation that you would make for buying a stock with hard seltzer. And after making this market analysis, so I did this market analysis on hard seltzer, of course, White Claw is number one, but you uh, can't buy it. it's a private Canadian company. Um, but number two at the time in the market was truly uh, which is owned by the Boston Beer Company, which makes Sam Adams ticker symbol SAM. And so I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna recommend if you're going if you're interested in a hard seltzer, if you want to see something do well, um, I'm gonna recommend this. And um I was a little nervous because I don't make a lot of recommendations, but we did. I put it in the newsletter, I uh, recommended this stock. And at the time I recommended it, um, it was it was trading at right around three hundred and fifty dollars a share, like somewhere in that range. That's and a lot. Yeah. 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 But that was my recommendation for, uh, you know, hard sales reply. So by the time we get to, uh, September, 2020, it's like, it's pushing $900. It's pushing $100 wow. a share. Um, by the time we get to the end of the year, um, you know, by the time we get to, you know, November, uh, it's it, October, November, it's pushing a thousand dollars a share. And, and uh,
1: Wait now, at what the, year is this? Twenty twenty. Twenty
2: twenty. So this is twenty twenty, and so uh, it's it's peak. It peaked at about thirteen hundred dollars a share sometime early twenty twenty one, like April ish, and so. Um, but because in general, when I buy when I buy stocks, uh, individual stocks, I use kind of my fun money, my play money, my experimentation money, and so. Uh, once I once I get to a certain point where I'm basically like doubling my money or more, I'm like, okay, it's time to to sell. And so um, once I hit, once I hit that year mark, you know, so I've got the, uh, so I've got the uh, long term capital gains, right, because I didn't want to sell short term capital gains. Uh, I sold, I sold, you know, in March ish, and ended up selling for right around $1,100 a share. Awesome. Uh, that I'd bought at three hundred dollars, three hundred and fifty And now you've round share.
1: tripped too because <laughs> yeah, I'm right. looking at it right now. Boston Beer Company is three hundred and
2: three. Yeah. So now it's down. Uh, it's 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 definitely dropped from the peak because it was a huge deal during the pandemic, right? the The thing with the hard seltzer market was they expected it to go up when people were like, "I gotta buy alcohol. I'm, you know, uh, we're doing outdoor things. We could sit around outdoors and drink alcohol uh, during the pandemic. And so, um, so I unloaded all of that after I hit that year mark and could do long term capital gains. And so I don't have any of it left today. (laughs) Um, But it was just,
0: yeah,
2: because part of what I do when I buy individual stocks is um, I do so with a plan to sell after I've made X amount of dollars or after I've held it for X amount of time um, rather than Doing a long-term value play, which I'm sure Kevin will talk to us about, is 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 yeah, you know, actually, at no. a long-term I, yeah. value play, I'm glad not because you know I, I've yeah. got a
1: lot of questions on the way you did that. I mean, obviously you're successful, but but right. it, rather than ask you those questions and talk about keep talking about the same subject, let's bring Kevin in the conversation. Kevin, what now? Actually, I've got i see a note here from Miranda for, on my script. Why do we think of choosing individual stocks as real investing? And, and that's true because I just kind of made fun of Miranda for investing in mutual funds. You know, I feel like I'm the gunslinger here, you know, because I've got all these stocks. Why, why is buying individual stocks important or is it?
0: It's not important. And I, I say that because it's, it's not required at all. You don't have to do it. But I think people do it and want to do it and have this, this itch to at least look at it is because it feels more tangible. When you're investing in a mutual fund it just kind of feels like this this thing you can't hold it you can't see it you can't touch it but with the stock i can at least say hey look i have an i own apple and i have an iphone in my hand and i'm watching netflix and i feel like a true participant because the longer i'm on this phone the more content i watch netflix is getting paid therefore i'm getting paid so i think that's the perception of it um there's the risk and rewards on either side of that you can obviously do both like like i do um, but I think that's the reason why people gravitate more towards stocks, or why they they feel like they have to. But it's not at all required.
1: That's that's my follow up question. Then is it required? And I mean, who should be buying stocks, or should any? I mean, I think most people in the financial advice business, that is, financial journalists like Miranda or me, um, we often suggest just put put some money into a mutual fund, keep adding to it every month. You know, like like a four hundred one k type thing, right? Um, because you can't buy individual stocks on in 401k anyway, but you're going like, you know, don't try to don't try to find the, the winner. Just buy the whole market. It's gone up an average of 10% per year over the last hundred years, blah, blah, blah. What's wrong with that advice? Or or should people do both? And, and and how would you decide?
0: There's absolutely nothing wrong with that advice. I think where you you get careful or where where people can get skittish or where people make mistakes is how far away do you drift from that advice? So, for example, I make sure for, for me, I don't have more than 15% in individual stocks of all my, my portfolio. That's as far as I go, because it is more risky. Now, you've got some people that just throw it all out the window and just 100% stocks and just pick whatever, right? That can be dangerous. It can also be worth it depending on what you invest in. So, it's really about how, how far away do you stray from that? And what are those guardrails? Like, in case you are wrong, is what I talk about all the time, what is that, the quote unquote insurance policy? For me, I've got my, my index funds, and if I'm wrong, 85% of my money is there, I'm going to be okay if I happen to choose the wrong stock.
1: And, you know, that's almost precisely, Kevin, coincidentally, how, what I advise people now. I used to say all mutual funds all the time, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just, because it takes a lot of more effort to invest in individual stocks, and as you point out, also risky. But you know what I say now? I say 90% in mutual funds, 10%. 10% Swing for the fence, you know. Mm-hmm. Finds, you know, because it can change your life. And and I know Miranda and, and Aaron have heard me say this so many times. I'm sure it's going to make them nauseous, but I, I put fifteen hundred dollars into Apple twenty years ago, and I've made more than a million dollars on it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and
1: and to be able to swing for the fence, and and that doesn't mean gamble. You know, right. I, the reason I bought apples because my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife um, was carrying around. She she wanted a uh, what are they iPod, right? Mm-hmm. And and I was too tight to buy one myself. I bought her one as a gift. Uh, because it costs like three hundred bucks, uh-huh. if I recall. But instead, I bought the stock. Same thing with Facebook. I, I just bought some more of that not long ago. I, I don't have a bunch of uh, maybe two hundred shares, but anyway, uh, the reason I bought it is because her butt's not in a seat before she's checking in at a restaurant. I mean, she's <laughs> she's on there all the time. She pretends like she's paying attention to me, but she's not. She's looking at her damn phone. And so I thought, if everybody's obsessed with this thing, maybe I should buy it. I'm still not on Facebook very much, but uh, but I made a ton of money in the stock. Uh, so th- this is how I pick a stock. You know, I see what's going on out there. Uh, who, what are people doing? And then looking at that company and then trying to get more information. But by the way, by the way, I was also lucky. I don't want to sound like I'm smart, but when I bought Apple, I bought it because of iPods without, well, and then all of a sudden the iPhone came along that changed everything. You know, so that, that was luck. I didn't know that was going to happen. Obviously I couldn't see the future. So, but you know, and, and also I'm going to talk about stocks that I've made money in but I've also lost money in stocks, too, and I'll make that very clear. Uh, but you know, one of the things, um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. who used to run Fidelity, and he, he's written books. Uh, Peter Lynch, uh, he wrote a book. Uh, he's written several books on how to invest. And one of the things he said was, remember that when you're a batter uh, in baseball, if you get 40%, uh, if you get 40% of the time, you're a star. You're a big star. Uh, and the same thing in the stock market. You're going to be wrong. But when you're right, if you let those profits run, that's how you change everything. Like I own, I, I bought um, Nvidia uh, during the the uh, COVID, 2021. Same. When was that? 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, did an
2: Nvidia I, run.
1: Yeah. I, 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 what did you do? Do you still have it?
2: Um, I sold. I sold off enough uh, to have doubled my money, and then um, and then I've got a little bit left because I,
1: I put 10 grand in it. In yeah. in twenty twenty one it's worth eighty right now. Eighty thousand. Yeah. Uh, and so
2: I mean, um, so yeah, so when I when I put some in um, back in in uh, I would think I went I think I went late twenty twenty, so when it was at about one thirty eight. Um and then when it hit, you know, it was hitting um God, somewhere around three hundred or so, I went ahead and sold. Um, about 75% of it, but I have enough left that, you know, I'm doing, it's doing great because, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's above 450 right now. So like I saved some of it, but I, but I just have, I just kind of have these rules where I'm just like, okay, when I double my money, when I do what I, like when I can take profits enough that I've doubled the money I've put in, I'm going to take some profits. Um, and that's kind of my rule is like, nothing wrong profits. with that.
1: But, but I would also say, I mean, obviously there's nothing wrong with success, period. But I would also say though that because you're only going to be right a, a certain percentage of the time, that you've got to let your profits run and cut your losses short. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, I was a stockbroker for ten years, and and I'll tell you this is the opposite of what people do, because they say you you can't go broke taking a profit, so they'll take a profit of three hundred dollars, and then mm-hmm. and then when something goes against them when their stock starts going down, they'll go well when it comes back to where I paid for it, then I'll sell it, and, and then they ride it all the way down to nothing, you know.
2: Yeah, but- and I think so. Part of part of what I do because I am. To, to a lot of extent, very risk averse with my investments is part of the reason why I take stocks, take profits when I reach a certain point is like I still have some NVIDIA. So there's still some upside for me to capture. It's still going to happen. Like I'm still making money, like I can still make money from it. But I've already made the profit. I've already, I've already locked in profits. And so if it does ride down to zero, uh, I've already made money off of it. And uh, I've already doubled my money in it. And so, so I don't feel as bad if, if it goes to zero, and I'm perfectly happy if I can capture more profits down the road.
1: Well, there were many, many times when I would would I was would I have been advised to sell Apple over twenty years. You know, you mm-hmm. watch CNBC and you're getting so much information all the time. And you know what's even worse when you're a stockbroker. I mean, you sit there all day staring at the stock market, and it makes you pull the trigger too soon. But if I had listened to to advice, I wouldn't have made you know have whatever percent that is ten thousand percent on my on my Apple investment. You know, I just remembered something. We have a guest. <laughs>
2: what? Are you yeah. serious?
1: Kevin's on the show. I forgot all about it. Um, you know what? Let me let me take a let me take a quick break and then Miranda and I will continue to fritter away this whole podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be right back after this. Okay, we're back. Before we start again, though, if you like what we do, do something for us and share this show with your friends and family on your favorite social media platforms and subscribe to our podcast. It takes you two seconds but we really would appreciate it. Okay, now let's reintroduce our guest who's supposed to be telling us how to pick stocks. Kevin, what have you thought about all this stuff? What what rules do you have when you're approaching stocks?
0: Yeah, so one one thing you had mentioned was letting your profits run long and cutting your, your losers short. That is almost word for word what my, uh, what my process is. Um, so I have two standing dates on my calendar when I come back and reevaluate my portfolio it's June and December every year. I come back and say, hey, look, who are the losers? We will cut those short and which ones are winners and we'll continue holding on to those. Um, so that's a big part of my investing process that's, that's helped me to be quite successful um, in making sure that, like Miranda, I, I take some of those earnings. If I've won, like I picked up NVIDIA in 2020, it was up more than 350% for me. I sold a third of it and said, all right, let's take some of these these gains and let's invest them in other areas to kind of diversify my portfolio. That makes sense. Wimp.
2: <laughs> just, <laughs> <I'm just> kidding <laughs> kidding. <laughs> at least you
1: only st- sold a third of it. I, I was tempted to sell it when it's, things went south because I think I paid 300 for it and it went down to 150 I didn't buy more, which I should have. I did buy more uh, me- uh, Meta at 150 and now it's 300 and something. But anyway, okay. One of the things, though, everyone's listening, they're going to go, well, obviously you let your profits run and you cut your losses short. I mean, because some, but sometimes things go down and then they come back up. So how do you know when it, when something's a true loser?
0: Yeah, so that that can be difficult at times because we all talked about Nvidia, but I don't know how many people remember twenty twenty two. Nvidia was down like sixty five percent. Yeah. So so that's I do that's remember. the part of it, right? Um, the question though is is when a stock is down, you have to ask why. Is it down because people weren't making microchips and people weren't using computers anymore? That wasn't the case. And that was the reason why I continued to hold. But if you take a stock like Peloton, where it was extremely popular during the pandemic and now no one talks about it anymore and no one, you know, they're, they're losing money, bikes are breaking. You know, that, that, that says there's something wrong with that business. And when you start to see something wrong with a business or a company, that might be a true loser. When a company is fine and their sales are okay and their market is okay, but the stock market just doesn't like it at that particular point in time, then that could be something that you can continue holding long term.
1: I think that's exactly, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said. What, what I used to tell people when I was a stockbroker was, and, and this is not easy to do, I don't really do this myself, but I'd like to think I would, is what you're doing is, here are the reasons I'm buying this stock. hmm You know, one, two, three, okay? Now, that stock goes down. Do those reasons still, are those reasons still true? If they are, buy more. If they're not, sell. right? Uh, so like Apple, for example, and this is another thing that I look at too, Apple has a moat. In other words, no one's going to touch them. I mean, not, not in my lifetime anyway, which may be before the end of the weekend, but I mean, br- Apple owns the smartphone market and smartphones are very popular. So as long as they're still dominating that field, I'm sticking with them. I actually have sold some because I, you know, it was, became such a large part of my portfolio. That I had to, but, uh, but so what I try to find is a business that owns Coca-Cola. They own the market. They ain't mm-hmm. going anywhere, you know, and, and Apple and, and NVIDIA for that matter. I mean, a lot of people listening to this probably won't even know who NVIDIA is, but, you know, they own that market. You know, they, they own the server market. They own the gaming market. And, they're, and now they own the AI market. Uh, so as long as, as long as they own their market and they have a moat around their castle, I'm an investor. And I try to, and, you know, when I was a stockbroker, I would chase stupid tips, you know, because some some other stockbroker must go, oh, you have to buy so-and-so, you know, because I know the company and they're going to, you know, it's a manipulated stock, blah, 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 and you lose your ass. But if you buy quality and, and the companies with a moat around them and you hold on it for long periods of time, you will, I will guarantee you that you will make money over time.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's the one thing where people make the mistake. And that's where I made my first stock market mistake, right? I bought City. I was you know 19 20 years old and after like two months I didn't make money I sold it I didn't know (laughs) that this was something you should be holding for years at the time yeah Um, and that's that's sometimes the difference where people will turn around get impatient and just sell because it was a bad month or it was a bad week when in reality true gains are made by holding year after year after year and that's when you start to see those gains, and that's an, an easy way to weather some of those losses at times. Because if I've held for two years and I've gained over two years, it is rare—not impossible, but rare—that one bad month or one bad year is going to tank my entire investment. Uh, but to get there, you have to be patient, and to get there, you have to to sit down, ignore the news sometimes, and let those stocks work for themselves. That's absolutely right. And I think, and
1: actually, while we're on this topic too, let's talk about trading. Because this is something that I've seen my whole life, you know, as a stockbroker with my clients, and it was my friends, and with myself, you know, I'm going to buy some. I'm going to day trade. Well, let me tell you something. That's the stupidest thing you could do. Go to Vegas because they, at least they'll give you free drinks when you're losing your money. <laughs> Be- <laughs> Be- because I mean, you know, real. really though, I mean, th- there is an inverse relationship. Here's a rule that I have. There's an inverse relationship between the amount of time. Uh, you hold something and how successful you're going to be. In other words, what the market's going to do today is a flip of a coin. I have no way of knowing that. But I do know that over the last 100 years, the stock market's gone up uh, an, an average of, well, depending on how you measure it, 9%, 10% a year. So uh, holding something for long, is same thing with real estate, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, a lot of things, are, can, you can look brilliant if you hold on to them long enough, and you can look like an idiot if you try to trade them in a day.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. There was a presentation um, I, I sat through when I was an advisor myself a few years ago, and it is this image is burned into my memory now. So <laughs> they put up a a slide, it had three lines on it, and it said that, I, I forget what the time frame was, it was maybe like 70 or 80 years in the S&P 500. And they said that if you hold a stock for five years or more, the chances of that investment being uh, positive was greater than 90%. If well, you hold it for three years or more, then the chances of that investments were like above 80%. And it had one year or less and it was less than 50%. And that instantly told me the longer you hold, the odds are you're going to win. And there's a reason for that. But when you are reducing that where it's not even a year, you're talking about a day, a few hours, like you said, you're, you're gambling at that point. You're not even in, you know, air conditioning and getting drinks for it, right? So like that's that's what makes it a lot riskier. You Your margin for error is so incredibly small when you're trying to day trade. And that's because you have to know three things and get them right. That's what to buy, when to get in, and when to get out, all within a day, five days a week for 52 weeks, right? That's incredibly difficult to do. Whereas if you are investing for years at a time, yeah, you could choose the right investment. But over time, that's one thing that you don't have to worry about because odds are the entire stock market is gonna raise or rise rather, over one two three four years and, and so on that's true and you know another thing that's worked for me too
1: and it's really difficult to give this kind of advice because people are so short-term oriented they can't really appreciate it but what what i try to do too most of what i own now i bought in 2009 uh, obviously there are exceptions like nvidia but and the, and the reason why is because okay i was a stockbroker in 1981 i became a stockbroker and and there was a recession in 1990 uh, there was obviously, oh, 1987, there was a stock market crash. I didn't buy when the market fell. In uh, 1991, there was a banking crisis. I didn't buy because I was scared to death. I mean, Citibank Citi was five, you know. And then uh, in, in the Great Recession in 2009, I was like, I'm going to back the truck up because everybody said the market's going to keep falling down. The sky is falling, henny penny, right? Uh, and so what? I, it took me, my point was, it took me three recessions to realize that when things go down and everybody in the world is convinced they're going to get worse, that's when you buy. Because that's, what, that's, that's actually when wealth is created. Wealth is realized when you sell. But it's, it's created when you buy when nobody else will. And, and so if, if anybody listening, if I could give you one piece of advice, the market's high right now. It, it's high on a historical basis in terms of earnings. I wouldn't be a big buyer here. And I may be wrong. In fact, I have been wrong because I bought some stocks this year. And the, and the market, you know, the, the uh, NASDAQ's up, what, 30% this year. And I was not a big buyer because I thought the market was too expensive. I was wrong. But I'll tell you what, when the market gets really cheap, uh, you got to buy then. And then just hold. You know, don't be afraid. Just hold. And you're, that's the best way you're going to make money. That's, and my, that's my advice. I have 40 years of investing.
0: I, I tend to agree. I, the way I look at it is always be buying. So even though the market is up, I'm still buying. But when the market is down is when I get aggressive. There that's, you go. That's when I say, look, you know, I could go out to eat today or, you know, I'll get a, a fancy dinner or I can, you know, get something cheaper and, and put this money in the market. Um. So that's, that's what I tend to do. And my first real opportunity for that was in 2020 um, because the Great Recession I didn't really have that much money. And I was still in college. So it <laughs> wasn't the biggest opportunity for me. Uh, But what I did in 2020 truly paid off and I'm still holding the vast majority of those investments. I I picked up O'Reilly's, which is up more than 75% for me. Uh, NVIDIA was one. It was I was up around 350 until I sold uh, that third. Um, But that's that's what I, I said back then, like the wealth that is going to be created in 2025. Starts now, right? It started in 2020, and yeah. the wealth that's going to be created in 2023, you're really going to start to see that in 2027, and that's that's almost always been the case for those who are consistently buying and those who get very aggressive when the market is down. So, how do you how do you decide to pull the trigger? This this is the most important
1: thing, and it's and sometimes it's hard to articulate. But how do you know? What do you do? Okay, you you hear Nvidia is going to might be good. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe you, I, I watch a lot of CNBC, not a lot, but I watch Fast Money and I watch uh, Jim Cramer somewhat. Um, so and so my point is this is where I get a lot of input. I'm reading a lot of financial stuff. And so I, I hear about stocks like NVIDIA, you know, and then mm-hmm. and then. But what do you do after that? You've heard of something like NVIDIA.
0: What makes you pull the trigger? There are three things that I tend to look at. Let's say if I have just heard about a stock on TV or something like that. Uh, The first thing that I like to do is see how well the stock has performed within the last six months and over the last year. That just gives me just just context to see if things are going in the right direction or not. And the reason why I do that is because there have been several studies on what we call momentum. How a stock has done recently will tend to predict how it will do in the short term moving forward, but it's not a guarantee. Uh, For example, if NVIDIA is up 150%, I'm more likely to go that way than a Peloton that's down 95%. That's kind of very common sense. And that's going to tell me, should I continue researching yes or no? If the answer is yes, then the next thing I try to look for is profits. I want to see, is this company actually making more money over time and is it expanding? Or is it something that is falling off? Or is it something that's negative, And that's usually not a, not a good sign. So once I start to see those two things, that's, I'm at, a, you know, 90, 95% yes. The last thing I tend to look at Um, is what we call insider buying. I would love to see if the CEO or anybody on the board of directors, if they are buying current shares of the company, because they're going to always have more information than we have. Um, You can usually Google this information. It comes up on what's called the SEC Form 4. Um, And there's a Harvard research study that came out about 10 or 15 years ago that said that for insider buys, when you start to see those insiders buy, they outperform the stock market by 10%. So that is something that I, I look for. So, how well did it do recently? Is the company making money? Is, is that money growing? And who is buying shares of the company that worked there, um, like the CEO and those unimportant directors? Excellent advice.
1: Uh, and by the way, a, a, a little color I'll add there is that if somebody's selling, that is that means nothing. Exactly. Uh, because they could be buying a yacht or putting their kids through college or any number of things. But there's only one mm-hmm. reason you buy a stock, and that's because you think it's going higher. So Absolutely. if your insiders are buying, that's a good sign. What what about you, Miranda? You got any tips? What do you use?
2: Um, yeah, so I mean, for me, mostly it just comes down to you know I look at some of the things that um, that that Kevin is talking about. But for me, it comes down to: uh, do I think that I can hop on a trend, and do I think that this trend is going to be uh, sustainable long enough for me to double my money? <laughs> it's it's not very scientific, uh, which is why I don't do a lot of individual stock uh, stock investing. Uh, but for me, mostly it just it just comes down to okay, I have some extra money that um, I can kind of experiment with, what seems like an interesting experiment, and what seems like um, I have a good chance of doubling my money with based on, you know, that profitability, that momentum. Um, and I'll look at things like, okay, what, you know, what seems sustainable, and then, um, you know, what tends to look like it might have some some staying power or value. And so uh it's it's really sad you shouldn't use by process because it's it's very vibes and <laughs> not really scientific, which is why I only use a small amount of you know my portfolio for this. Uh most of it continues to be dollar cost averaging into index funds because ultimately um I'm lazy. There's <laughs> a lot of research to do yeah, it right.
1: <laughs> there is, there is. And and you know, and to be honest, Miranda, I I, I buy stuff by the seat of my pants sometimes too. I, I take flyers. I mean, I I don't try to I try to do something stupid, uh. But uh, but I'll I'll just do what you. Do. I mean, I'll just get a feeling, you know, because I've done this for a really long time. Not that I'm wrong. Again, I want to reiterate, I'm not right all the time, not by a long shot. But uh, I'll, I'll look at I'll look at things like price earnings ratios and things of that sort, especially the the price earnings ratio relative to historical price earnings ratio of that particular company. So in other words, the company could have a high. I don't know if any people listening will know what PE ratios are, but look it up if you don't. Uh, if a if a company has a high PE ratio, that may be okay, providing it's not high relative to its historical PE ratio. Uh, I I missed Amazon for many years. I I own it now, uh, and I've tripled my money on it. But it took me years and years to buy it because it had no earnings. You know, and and as Kevin was saying, you know, you, the first thing you want to do is make sure a company's making money, or they're just about to anyway. Uh, but but and Amazon wasn't forever. I mean, you know, it just started making money a couple of years ago, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right.
1: And so I was on the sidelines. I made the same mistake. Yeah, you did that too? I I, I own it now. I bought, I think I I can't remember what I paid for it. I bought it maybe four years ago and I made money on it, Uh, but I wish I'd bought it 10 years ago. You know, I didn't. Yeah. But you know, you you miss things sometimes, but that's okay.
0: Yeah. And and that's something I've I've learned about investing in in general is that one, you know, your process is your process. However you evaluate, if it it works, it works. And you know, you're going to miss some. and, And that's fine. I'd rather... Miss out on good deals, then take bad ones. Yeah. I think that's that's one way to look at it. Um, but I think more importantly, you know, ten years from now, you're going to wish you started ten years ago. And I think that's the importance of just starting. Whether you still want to tend to mutual funds, which is totally fine, or you want to add a few more individual stocks, the key is starting. Because again, just based on how the market works, you're going to be right if you are holding long enough. Um, usually, you know, more often than not.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are two risks in buying a stock. One is bankruptcy, and the other is the market. Um, bankruptcy risk you can you can eliminate by buying companies that won't go bankrupt, like yep. Coca Cola, for example. Um, market risk you can't control. So you, know, you so eliminate the risk you can, bankruptcy if possible. I mean, actually, obviously, as we know, almost anyone can go bankrupt. GM did, but generally speaking, big giant companies are not going to go bankrupt. Uh, and then and then don't let market risk bother you. And one more thing I would add too, uh, when the market fell last year, I didn't really care. Uh, and the reason why is because I don't have so much money in the markets as it's making me lose sleep. I mean, I have a lot of money in the market, but I've done this for a really long time and I know the market goes down. But if you find yourself sweating, you know, oh God, we, oh, it's, you're checking it, it's going down more, you're freaking out. You got too much money in the market. You know, so you, be careful. Don't, don't put in more than you, I'm not gonna say more you can afford to lose because that's stupid, but, but don't put in more that, make, that makes you lose sleep
0: yeah yeah that that's an excellent point. Um, what I do is like like I said earlier, like I really only check my investment account twice a year, and that's it. uh for some people, that's shocking, but that's the reason why if I am constantly staring at my account, then i'm I'm going to make a mistake that that's just human nature. We are wired, and that and that's 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 the issue with investing too is that it goes against your your nature, right? When you start to see danger, you want to react as as humans, we remember those terrible hurricanes, rainstorms, thunderstorms. You know, if I asked you what was the worst worst hurricane you've been through, you know exactly what that day was like. Most people don't remember those perfect days in between. And there are far more perfect weather days than there are bad days. But when you're looking at your account, you see that terrible drop when Netflix fell 13% in a day and you react, that usually goes against what you should be doing, which is buying more or just sitting out. So I, I, to fight against that, I say, look, you know, June 15th, December 15th, that's why I'm looking. That's why I'm making those changes and I'm not doing anything in between. And that's one way you can kind of get away from that that reactionary uh, place of, of thinking.
1: That is amazing to me that you only look twice a year, especially with stocks like NVIDIA. Uh, not that you're wrong to do that, but I, I look at my portfolio. You know what I do, to be honest? I look at my portfolio several times a day when the market's up.
0: <laughs> and then when it's, down, <laughs> when it's down, I don't look at it at all.
1: Yeah, I I had a a
0: tweet uh, last year. It was around June when I was looking at my portfolio because that that was the year that the stock market was down like 20 percent. At this time, it had to be down about 10. Uh, It was my first time all year opening up my Roth IRA and I was actually up like 12 percent or whatever it was. Um, It was kind of shocking. Like, Oh, this is why I only check it, you know, twice a year, because had I not, uh, if I checked it earlier in the year, I probably would did some crazy and, and lost money like everybody else. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's the way I, I manage it. You really got to manage those those uh, emotions and expectations. Cool. Any, anybody have any stock recommendations as we close our podcast?
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, index, guys. <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got to take a chance. Can't get a hit from the dugout. No, I don't know. I, as I said earlier, I'm not a big buyer of stocks right now because I think the market's over overvalued. But I've thought that for months, you know, so I've obviously been wrong. If I was going to buy something today, I'd probably add to my Google. I have uh, a bunch of that. Not a bunch, but, uh, you know, enough. But I'd probably add to that. But I'm not real enthusiastic right now. How about you, Kevin?
0: Yeah. Outside of buying index funds, which I want to reiterate, the majority of my money, the vast majority is there, um, I like Chipotle. Chipotle is not only a delicious place to eat, but it's also a very good stock. Uh, I think in the last year alone, it's up more than sixty percent. Oh yeah. And when you yeah, when you start to look at um, what we call free cash flow, like the money they get in their hand. Oh, the last ten years has been double digits. So they're they're growing at a good steady pace. Um, it's one that, that I picked up maybe three or four weeks ago, and, and one I intend on holding for a very long time.
1: Oh really? I thought you were because it it
0: was it was lower last year. I thought I looked at it then. When did under a thousand for a while? I believe so. I had it on my phone a second ago. So it is. Oh, right you know, now last it's year, well it's up over 63. percent uh, So it's over two thousand dollars a share. Last February is about fifteen
1: hundred. Yeah, I, I was thinking. I was thinking about buying it, but I wept out. I didn't. And you know, another thing too. This is another thing I won't do is buy companies where I don't like the product, even though even though they're well successful. Example: McDonald's. I Ain't buying it. I, it's been a great stock. I mean, it's been an awesome stock. But I I'm just I don't like their product. I'm not gonna buy it. And I'm not a huge fan of Chipotle, uh, either. But anyway, I'd lived in Tucson. I like genuine Mexican food. But in, anyway. <laughs> anyway, I know we're running over I could do this all day. This is my favorite topic, but I can't. We gotta stop. We are out of time, folks. We are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper. You're gonna find links to lots more info in our show notes. In fact, you can also find my entire stock portfolio in our show notes. You wanna see what I own. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is mirandamarquit.com, M A R Q U I T. And of course, you want to visit Kevin at his website. It's buildingbread, buildingbread.com. If you got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest? We would love to hear from you. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing I already said this at the break, but if you like what we do, please subscribe to our podcast. And that's all we got. Kevin, I really appreciate having you on again. You're a friend of the show. We love you. We hope to have you back soon. Thank you. I'm Stacey Johnson.
2: Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm Miranda Marquez Were you looking at the st-